0: sometimes controversial, always politically incorrect, and pro-life without exception, without compromise, and without apology. It's the Pro-Life America podcast with your hosts, Sarah Waits, and the president of Life Dynamics, Mark Crutcher. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. I'm Mark Crutcher, as you heard, and I'm joined Lurking across the table, as usual, is Sarah Waits.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: Also lurking at the table is our special guest this week, my daughter, Sheila.
2: Hello, and I wouldn't say that I'm lurking. I'm just sitting here.
0: You're lurking.
2: (sighs) I don't know what lurking (laughs) looks like then, apparently. I do,
0: and you're lurking, Mm. believe me.
2: (laughs) Okay, fine. I'm lurking.
0: Anyway, before we get started with the actual subject of today... Last week and a couple of weeks before, I made the point about the more ghastly things that are happening there related to the baby parts thing. And um,
1: Once you start chopping up baby parts for profit, I mean...
0: You'll do anything.
1: What gets more ghastly than that?
0: Well, it's a couple of things that I want to bring up here. Because what's happening here is they're saying that babies are being born alive.
2: Mm-hmm. They're
0: allowing them to die, and they're taking the parts out of them while the babies are still warm. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the babies are going to be still alive while they take the parts out of them.
1: Ghastly.
0: Yeah, it is. But I have a problem with pro-lifers saying, oh, look, they're taking parts out of living babies. When they kill a baby in the womb, they're killing a living baby. Yeah. Let's don't make a distinction yeah. here. Mm-hmm. If what they were doing was being done in utero, it would be no less barbaric.
1: The only thing that changes is location. the location. That's, That's all
0: we're talking about. Yeah. And again, let's make this point as clear as we can. These people are not scientists they are savages. Mm -hmm. Now, the interesting thing is one of my friends, Judy Brown, who I've known for over 40 years, she's the head of American Life League, put out a thing today about this particular issue. And in that statement that she Mm -hmm. made, she had a quote from Bishop Sheen. And I've said for years, even though I'm not Catholic, I think every Christian in this world ought to read Bishop Sheen.
1: Somewhere out there, one of our listeners who's Catholic is gasping right now. Let's just give him a moment Why? to cope with this, that you're not Catholic.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, that's okay. I think everybody knows I'm not. But anyway, Bishop Sheen was a theologian without equal, in my view. This, mm-hmm. this man was, was absolutely astonishing. And his ability to see how, when abortion became legal, how it would transcend everything that happens in America. And he labeled it the approach of midnight when abortion became legal. He said, we are approaching midnight in our country. And she found a quote from him that I want to read that really shows, first off, how insightful he was and how accurate he was. Quote, the barbarism of the new era will not be like that of the Huns of old. It will be technical, scientific, secular, and propagandized. It will come not from without, but from within. For barbarism is not outside of us, it is underneath us. Mm -hmm. Older civilizations were destroyed by imported barbarism. Modern civilizations breed their own. Mm-hmm.
2: I think yeah. that's how much spot more, on.
0: If you look at the situation at Pittsburgh, and like when we were the first group that uncovered this trafficking in baby bars, then David DeLayden took it to the next level mm-hmm. some years later. If that doesn't describe the environment we live in today, what yeah. what possibly would? Yeah. And he made this statement many many years ago. I mean, he's been dead for many years, so he made this statement many many years ago. He clearly saw what he was calling the approach of midnight, mm-hmm. and we're there. Yeah. We are there.
1: Well, I think it's an interesting transition of barbarism in the name of religion, mostly on the pagan side with the sacrifices mm-hmm. and such. But you have barbarism in the name of religion, and now it's barbarism in the name of, quote, quote, science and enlightenment.
0: Well, as I've said many times, and I've said recently in shows that we've done on this, there is no force on earth more dangerous. hmm than science that is unfettered by morality. Yep. When scientists get the attitude that we can do whatever we want to do, and the morality of it is irrelevant, and you hear some of them saying that. I've heard people who claim to be scientists say, Look, I'm a scientist. I'm not a theologian. I'm not the Pope. I'm not a minister. I'm a scientist. As if those things are irrelevant and don't count. Mm -hmm. That's the error that we've entered into, Mm -hmm. and that's the error that... Bishop Sheen was talking about.
2: Well, like today, they say follow the science. Well, they need to take their own advice then. And, right. But they
0: don't. Yeah, they follow it right up till the time that it starts talking about abortion.
2: Yeah, but all this
1: ties into why it's so important that they try to put a happy face on abortion. And one of their biggest thrusts and the way that they do this is what we're going to be talking about today, which is having abortion storylines in television and film. Right. I did an article about this in our pro-life voice newsletter. If people want to go read it, I'll put the link to it and sign up for that newsletter so you can get other articles because not all the articles that are in there get posted to the internet. So you get exclusive content. But at the University of California in San Francisco, which also has been caught in this baby part stuff, at the Bixby Center for Global Reproductive Health, which is funded by Warren Buffett,
2: Yep. Surprise,
1: surprise. Surprise, surprise. All these players keep coming back, right?
0: Same ones.
1: They have a research group called Advancing New Standards and Reproductive Health, which is goes by ANSER. They study abortion representation in TV and films, and each year they put out a report on this, which they call the Abortion on Screen Report. Now, in my article that I wrote, I mentioned this quote that was taken for a MTV News article about this. And one of the researchers for Ansir said this, pop culture, particular TV, has the power that legislators don't have to meet people where they are in their homes and tell all these compassionate, tender stories about abortion, about the people who have abortions, about abortion providers, and also showcase how to support someone who's had an abortion. In 2019, there was a record-breaking 43 abortion storylines in TV shows, and 31 In 2020, now there's been abortion storylines and shows such as Friday Night Lights, Grey's Anatomy, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Jane the Virgin, Bull, Scandal. The list goes on and on. The list goes on. Yeah, streaming services now for 2020, they outnumber the number of storylines. So this is not something that this is relegated just to cable and broadcast television. This is even in the streaming services that a number of Americans are subscribing to.
2: Well, it's media across the board. And a lot of it is like teeny bopper shows for younger audiences.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's their target audience Mm -hmm. because... That's at the age where they feel like they can shape their abortion views the most. And so they're naturally going to be going after them. In fact, one of the shows that I was going to mention in this is a show called The Bold Type. In that show, there was two young black women on the show who were talking about their abortion experiences. And one of them talking about how they accidentally went to a, quote, quote, fake abortion clinic, which they were talking about a CPC and the main character, Kat, was talking about if she gets elected to the city council, she's going to deal with those fake clinics. She's going to put in an <laughs> arrest to this.
2: It's pure propaganda.
0: It is. It's 100%. And let's make sure people understand what's going on here. In the pro-life movement, we understand, those of us who've been in a long time understand, mm-hmm. our biggest failure has been our inability to get the church to join the battle. Yeah. That's been our biggest failure, and... I don't know how we ever solve that. I'm not sure we do. Mm -hmm. On the other side of the coin, the pro-aborts argument is, and many of them are openly stating this nowadays, their biggest Mm -hmm. failure has been their inability to remove the stigma of abortion. Yeah. And I would argue that the stigma of abortion is higher now than it was 40 years Mm -hmm. ago because people know more about it and it's been out in public more than it was when I was a kid. I mean, you never heard the word abortion mentioned. Yeah. So- they're correct. They have not been able to remove that stigma. Mm -hmm. Had they been able to do it, the pro-life movement would have folded up its tents 40 years ago. We would not have been able to survive without that stigma. And that's why this new campaign that three of us are putting together called the Homefront Campaign, where we're going to show people how to stop abortion in their community and not worry about the Supreme Court or Senate or whatever. It revolves around this issue of stigma. This battle is ours to win. Mm -hmm. as long as we keep up the pressure. And what they're trying to do in these things that you guys are talking about is they're trying to destigmatize abortion. Mm -hmm. That's the overarching goal.
1: And change the image of the people who do them. I know that routinely in the shows that I've seen where they mention abortion, you know, the girl goes into this clinic, it's clean, it's calm, it's it's respectable, (laughs) it's not dirty, it's not nasty. They're not sitting there pressuring you to have an abortion so they can get that sale. And all the other junk that happens in these clinics, they're not portraying
2: that. They're just trying to make it seem like any other medical procedure.
0: I'm not sure they even want it to be portrayed like a medical procedure. I think they want it to be portrayed like you're getting your hair cut or you're going to a manicurist and you're going to have Mm -hmm. your nails done. Oh, I'm going to stop off and get an abortion while I'm getting my nails done today. So they're trying to, like you mentioned earlier and what I've said many times, put a happy face on it. mm -hmm. But the overarching goal, and that's why it's so important that we in the pro-life movement, if we don't let them mm -hmm. take the stigma away, it won't go away. Yeah, And it will never go away as long as we keep doing what we're doing. And we've got to ratchet that up in the future.
1: But the interesting thing in all this is that there was a Marie Claire article that just came out, which is a women's magazine, and it was lamenting that there were not enough abortion storylines in TV shows. And in this article, they keep pushing, oh, we need more, we need more. We also need representation of people of color having abortions in these storylines. We need people who are getting chemical abortions. We need abortion storylines that actually feature the character getting an abortion, and... We need to have some where it's not just teens. We need some who are already mothers. We need to show the full spectrum of abortion.
2: Besides abortion activists, who wants to see those storylines? Nobody. Pro-lifers don't want to see them. Then you have those who, in their day-to-day, don't think about abortion.
0: That are neutral, yeah. The
2: only people who want to see these storylines are the hardcore abortion activists. Yeah, But
0: they're the people that make the decisions in mm-hmm. Hollywood yeah. and on television and so forth, and that's mm-hmm. the problem that we have.
1: Well, I think one thing that they don't mention in this article is that 2020 was a year where suddenly people's biggest things was putting food on the table and finding toilet paper and soap. And surviving. <laughs> and surviving, right. okay? Sweatpants became our normal day-to-day attire. In times like that, do we really want to see abortion storylines? I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't think even middle America really wants to see that in a year like 2020.
2: Well, they don't want to see it any time, especially yeah. in a year like 2020. But in a time
1: when you have people who are sitting there who have lots of free time to watch television and can afford to be choosy, you maybe can't weather the storm of lost views during a year like that, where you could in 2019 and pat yourself on the back for a job well done in the name of hashtag social justice. But when
0: you're waking up in the morning, you're an adult. Yeah. Let's say you're a man, you've got wife and children, Mm -hmm. and you're waking up in the morning thinking, I don't know if I'm going to have a job next week. Yeah, You know, I go to the store and the shelves are bare. Mm -hmm. And we saw that right here in Denton, Texas.
1: Yeah, saw it everywhere.
0: You're not sitting there thinking, oh, I hope before I go to sleep tonight, I can see a good story on abortion, how wonderful abortion is. It's outrageous. But what it does show Mm -hmm. is how out of touch these pro-aborts are. With the average person. I mean, they are totally out of touch.
1: You want to talk about out of touch? It's interesting. In this Marie Claire article, there's a woman quoted there whose name is Merritt Tears, who is a television writer and showrunner, and she worked on Orange is the New Black. In the article, Tears said, It is difficult to successfully include abortion storylines in a show or a film in a way that's authentic because most abortions are, for a lack of a better word, boring. (laughs)
0: right? (laughs) Not for the baby.
1: Well, and not even for the women. How many women have we seen have complications where they have uterine perforations? Tanya Reeves sat in a hallway for five hours and bled out and died because of that.
0: It wasn't boring for her. And who gets lost in all of this when we talk about these horrible situations Mm -hmm. is the situation that happens in abortion clinics all over the country every day Mm -hmm. in which a woman is being threatened with her life Yeah. If she won't have an abortion. Exactly. Tell her it's boring.
1: Yeah, and we have a report about that. We can put that link in the description. Women are routinely
0: beat and killed, and we've got the proof of that, because Mm -hmm. they refuse to have abortions.
1: Yeah, and Merritt Tears expanded on that and said, television shows and movies depend on drama and conflict. The reality of abortion care is that most people are not conflicted about their decision. Well, just last week, we were talking about how Lena Wynn and her book was talking right. about that was not her experience. The woman who was head of Planned Parenthood, who right. dealt with abortion and dealing with women who'd had abortions, did not find that to be her experience. This
2: woman is either outright lying. Which is the case. Or she's just delusional and nobody should be
0: listening to her. She knows better than that. She's lying yeah. through her teeth.
1: Well, I think it's interesting. She's currently working on a scripted television show that takes place in a clinic that provides abortion and is hoping to normalize abortion is just another choice.
0: Okay, the important thing here, I'm gonna go back to it again. We are working on this home front campaign and it's gonna be dynamite because, again, I wanna make sure people understand this. You might look out here and say, well, we can't affect Hollywood. How are we gonna keep them from making abortion positive stories or abortion positive movies? The answer is you can't. But what you can do is you can prevent them from being successful with it. Yeah. I'll say it again, I've said it before, and I'll go to my grave saying it. The battle over abortion stigma is ours to win and ours to lose. Mm-hmm. They have no control, no control over destigmatizing abortion. Only we have control over that. And the way we can destigmatize it is to withdraw from it and think we can't win because of who's on the other side.
1: Television shows live on ratings. Right. If we stop watching the shows who keep on pushing abortion, their ratings plummet. Same thing for these streaming services. If pro-lifers united together and said that we are going to ban on all of these streaming services who keep doing these abortion storylines, so Hulu, Netflix, HBO Go, Amazon Prime, if they said we're not going to be doing any of these as long as they continue to push this and these people start losing revenue, they're going to stop it because their ultimate goal is to make money.
2: Well, and the whole reason why... They can't destigmatize abortion is not because they're not pouring enough money into it or they're not, you right. know, doing a good job of trying. The reason is it's because of the truth behind it. The truth behind it is abortion, which is the slaughtering of innocent and defenseless babies. That's why they cannot
0: destigmatize it. Right, yeah. and as long as we keep that message up, mm-hmm. as long as we keep holding in front of the American people what abortion is. And what abortionists are. And remember something, they talk about trying to make people that do abortions as the knights in white armor in the medical community. You take a 1,000 doctors Mm
1: -hmm.
0: who don't have a hardcore position on abortion. Let's say you vetted these guys. None of them are hardcore pro-life. None of them are hardcore pro-abortion. They're just somewhere
1: in the middle. You
0: put a 1,000 of them in a room and you say... I don't want to know what your position on abortion is. We don't really care what your position on abortion is. What's your position on abortionist, The people who do it. Ooh, yeah. The answer will be universal. These mm-hmm. are the scum, the washouts, and the losers of medicine. Nobody goes through the rigors of a medical school education in order to go out and kill babies for a living.
2: Well, no sane person. No
0: sane person yeah. does. Well, I've never even seen an insane one that did it. But- well,
1: I've even heard pro-choice doctors say that the people who work in the abortion industry are the washouts of medicine.
0: Right. They're the washouts and the losers. I put out a book years ago called Access, Mm -hmm. and I had a whole chapter in there of just quotes Mm -hmm. from people in the abortion industry talking about the scum that you wind up with when you work in an abortion clinic. And that's what you get. And as long as we don't let them, and it's totally 100% in our control. This is one of the few things in this battle that are 100% in the control of the pro-life movement. As long as we keep the pressure up on the stigma of abortion, which is inherently there because, like Sheila says, it's the murder of a child. How do you destigmatize that? Yeah. As long as we keep it up and make sure that the American people understand this is the cold-blooded murder of innocent children, they will never take the stigma off of it. They cannot do it. We will win that battle.
1: And one of the messages that they try to push in order to do this is shifting the focus from the baby to the mom, but also redefining compassion right, and making this seem like it's an act of compassion. In fact, this is the last thing from this Merit Tears woman, but she said, I think the most radical reconception that needs to happen with respect to abortion, especially parenting people who have abortions, is for people to realize that it can be a serious act of love to have an abortion.
2: Act of love to who? It's self-love.
0: No, yeah, it's self-love. It's yeah. I love myself enough to kill you. That's what you're saying. Well,
2: so I can possibly have a what I consider a better
1: life. Yeah. Well, and this person is saying that it's an act of love for your ex-utero children.
0: I'll kill your sibling.
1: Yeah, I'll kill your sibling to make your life better.
0: Right, right. And, you know, I don't think we have ever seen a study done. I'd like to see this. If I had George Soros money, this would mm-hmm. be, I'd hire people to do this study. I'd like to do a study on children who had a sibling that was aborted yeah, and see what the effect was on those children versus children that did not have a sibling aborted, because I'll guarantee you it's going to be profound.
1: Well, Priest for Life has that project, and I can't think of the name of it at the moment, but I think it's called Abortion Shockwaves, where people talk about their experience with abortion, and a number of them are children of parents who'd had an abortion, and one of their siblings was killed, and it has an impact on them.
0: You know, I know it's not a perfectly parallel situation, but it's similar. One of the things, if you read about the life of Elvis Presley, mm-hmm. Elvis Presley was a twin, and his twin brother died in the birth process when Elvis Presley was born and the people that know him say that for his entire life that that haunted him. Yeah. That he had a sibling that died, that he shared a, he was a womb mate. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: ha, ha, ha.
0: His Woundmate. his womb mate died. <laughs> and they say that
1: bless your heart. throughout
0: his entire life
1: mm-hmm. that
0: if you sat down and talked with him for any length of time, he would bring that subject up that his brother died and that was not an abortion. That was a naturally occurring death. Yeah. How does a child look at his mother Mm -hmm. if he knows that his mother killed his brother or sister?
1: Yeah.
0: How does that child look at that woman? Mm -hmm. And I want you to think about this. Every time there is a, let's say one of these school shootings. Yeah. Or every time some child uh, is run over and killed by a car, Mm -hmm. they bring counselors in to counsel the other kids. Yeah. The kids in that school, right? Mm -hmm. Why? Mm. Because they know those kids are affected by that.
1: And there is something called survivor's guilt, too, mm-hmm. where you're right. struggling to wonder, how did I survive? And this person over here, maybe it's somebody that I loved. How do I live and they die?
0: Well, I encountered that in my own life. Um, I'm of the age where I had a lot of peers that were in Vietnam. yeah, And I had a friend who was in a helicopter that crashed. There was eight people in the helicopter. He's the only one that survived. Mm-hmm. He had massive problems over that. Now, it wasn't his fault. He didn't shoot the helicopter Mm -hmm. down. And he didn't kill any of these other people. But he always wondered, and I talked to him about that. He said, why me? Yeah.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and with children whose parents aborted their sibling, it's not only the why me, but it's the anger of knowing that your parents intentionally killed your sibling. The people you
1: trust the most in this Mm -hmm. world. Or should be able to trust the most. Yeah, and... Uh, just going to people who lost a sibling in miscarriage, you know, there's this grief that happens when you get to a certain point and you recognize what you've lost. You know, there's a sibling that you'll never get to know. Right. And you wonder what your life would have looked like, what everything would have looked like. And there's a grief there that is not really talked about as much because miscarriage is typically an experience that's talked about from the parents because it's very personal to them, but it also affects siblings. But imagine in the case of abortion, where it's not just that you're experiencing that grief, but that the person that you're supposed to trust the most in this world made that decision yeah and, and was part of that
0: well, we had a, a young lady that worked here years ago, and um, she told me one time that she had started thinking about the abortion issue in high school mm-hmm. uh, Her parents were supporters of the local crisis pregnancy center or something and they were involved in the pro-life issue and, and she said I was raised around it just like Sheila was mm-hmm. And she said, I remember specifically one time sitting in a classroom and looking around, and she said, I'm daydreaming instead of paying attention to what's going on. Again, like Sheila, uh. Sheila. Anyway, uh, she said, I'm daydreaming, and she said, I'm looking around the class, and I see there's empty, chairs. empty desks mm-hmm. there. And she said, I'm thinking, who might be sitting at that desk were it not for abortion? Mm-hmm. Would it be my best friend? Yeah. Would it be the boy I might end up marrying? Who's missing out of that room? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we did a fundraising letter uh, several years ago, and we've done it for several years, off and on, in which we talk about around America's Christmas table, there should be empty high chairs there yeah. b- because there are babies that should be sitting there that aren't. Mm-hmm. So this year there'll be 600,000, and there's been years when there's been almost 2 million babies yeah. who did not sit in the high chair around the Christmas table. And that's what I'm talking about when I say the pro-aborts will never be able to take the stigma off of that as long as we don't allow them to.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think another important takeaway from this about the themes of these storylines and movies and TVs, it's also about trying to convince men of what their role in abortion is. Because I remember a specific storyline was in Grey's Anatomy where the woman got pregnant, the man that she was married to wanted kids, he wanted a family, mm-hmm. and she went out, didn't tell him, had an abortion. And he was livid, not only because he wanted the kids, but that was his child. And there was this big conflict in the storyline. For a long time, he was angry and upset, and then just over a while, just
2: uh, whatever. He forgave her, moved okay. on.
0: That doesn't happen. No, yeah.
2: it's, that doesn't happen.
0: That doesn't happen. We've yeah. dealt with too many of these situations. And this is another thing we're going to be talking about in this Operation Homefront concept that we're coming up with. Because we saw when we went to that Student Action Summit mm-hmm. down in Florida.
1: Men are being taught that they do not have a right to have a position on abortion.
0: The scary thing is, not just that they're being taught this, they're buying it. Yeah. We had young men that I talked to, y'all heard me talk mm-hmm. to some of these guys. Coming we talked up to saying, them too. Yeah, y'all did too. But I, they'd say, well, I just don't feel like I have the right to speak up. It's a woman's issue. I said, man, let me tell you something, pal. You don't have the right to speak up. You have the responsibility to speak up. Yeah. Real men do not stand around with their hands in their pockets mm-hmm. while helpless babies are butchered for money. That doesn't happen.
1: Well, give me another social issue where men are told that they can't have an opposition on it. Do we tell men that they can't have a position standing up
2: against female genital mutilation because... They don't have female genitals? Right. Yeah. If you're a guy listening to this, do not listen to these wacko females. Yeah.
0: <laughs> She's coming alive angry. now. Tell us how you feel, Sheila.
2: This makes me so mad that they think that they can degrade men and put them, quote, quote, in their place, telling them that they don't have a voice in this. No, don't listen to those Pink hat wearing idiots. Well,
0: we uh, <laughs> will be putting in a lot of this. This is going to be a central theme in all this new mm-hmm. home front stuff that we're doing. But I want to point something out. They say men have no right to have an opinion of this. Mm-hmm. They never, ever, not one time in the history of this movement, have they ever said that to a pro-abortion man.
2: Or Mm -hmm. to the justices who, you
0: know, issued
2: in Roe versus Wade. Yeah. If you're
0: going to say men have no right to have an opinion, Mm -hmm. they ought to be calling for Roe to be revisited because it was all men.
1: Well, and Planned Parenthood has their Media Excellence Awards, which they give out awards for these abortion storylines and representations and news articles where they posit abortion as a positive thing. A number of them are written by men. Right. Planned Parenthood gives awards to these men. I don't see them saying, if you don't have a uterus, you can't have an opinion. You can't write storylines. How dare you? This is a
0: woman's issue. You're not vaginally qualified. (laughs) Yeah. These,
2: (laughs) These females are bullies. That's what they are, is bullies. And they need to... Just shut up. (laughs) (laughs) I think Sheila's coffee's finally kicked in. Right.
0: But again, Sheila, it goes back. They cannot win that battle if we Mm -hmm. don't let them. Yeah. And that's what I was trying to tell these boys down here that were college and high school kids that were coming up to us. Mm -hmm. And we talked to a ton of them. I was amazed. I mean, I've heard this argument from the pro aborts for years. I didn't know that so many males had bought into it. Yeah. But these college-age males have bought into this thing. Well, I don't have a right to have an opinion.
2: Well, it's because of censorship at universities. These people are being censored, and so with the university censoring them and then these female bullies that are yelling at them, you know, they're— backed into a corner they felt we've
0: got to and that's going to be a central theme there's going to be several central themes on this this (laughs) there's there's got to be more of them there's concentric circles (laughs) that's what it is but anyway we're going to be pushing that theme real hard these are our battles to win and it doesn't matter who's president it doesn't matter who's on the supreme court it doesn't matter who's in the senate it doesn't matter who's the dog catcher in your community it makes no difference. These battles are ours to win, Mm -hmm. and we're going to win them because we're not going to walk away. I guarantee you life dynamics isn't going to walk away. I'm not going to walk away until I croak, which could be, of course, at any minute, but that's true for all of us.
1: Well, isn't there a foolishness in fighting the battle on the battlefield of the pro-choice sides choosing?
0: Absolutely. And that's what they're trying to do is lure us into not fighting the battle on our battlefields they're trying Mm -hmm. to lure us off of our battlefields because they know they can't win on those battlefields Mm -hmm. and i don't care who you are you know my hero george Patton made this point back in world war ii find out where your enemy's weak and attack right there
1: i think a perfect example is the american revolution the people who are fighting for liberation from the english tried to fight in the style that the English did and they got decimated. Right. It was only once they started changing it up and not fighting in the terms and the ways that the British did that they start winning.
0: Yep.
2: We gotta be feisty. Feisty.
1: Yes,
0: we have to be feisty.
2: Feisty (laughs) against these bullies. Right. Shield's advice be feisty. Be fierce. There you go.
0: (laughs) And when we decide to do that, when we decide to be feisty and fierce, they can't stop us. They, They cannot control that. But we're too nice. And we've mm-hmm, got to get mm-hmm. beyond that being too nice.
2: I, I was just about to say we're too nice. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you have to you know, be like, oh, we have to sit down with these people and sing kumbaya. No, that's what they want. What they don't want is us being feisty. Remember Jesus in the temple overturning tables. There, that is what we have to embody.
1: Well, even Jesus outside of turning over tables, he sat with people. But he told the truth. He wasn't rude. He didn't call them names, but he told them the truth.
0: And said, go forth and sin no more. Mm-hmm. So he's confronting them in this. And he sin. made
1: people uncomfortable, like that woman at the well. Right. She was uncomfortable. Right. He wasn't rude, but he told her like it was. He didn't sugarcoat it. He didn't shy away from the truth. And that's the way we need to be. Gentle
0: as doves, wise as serpents. Yeah. We've got the gentle as doves thing down to an art. Mm-hmm. We need to start thinking about the serpent part of it too, and <laughs> let's remember.
2: That's Sarah's my snake impression. Sarah's sound effect. Yeah,
0: Sarah's sound effects. And now you see why she's not in the sound effect business. You, you <laughs> hey, I thought that was pretty good. Little hiss. Yeah, that's really really good, Sarah. <laughs> Tell that to the people. Where's it over in Irving that they're looking for that cobra that got loose?
1: There's a cobra uh, loose in Irving. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, hooded king cobra got out of this guy. He collects exotic snakes and see, he got loose. See, anyway, you want to have
1: a pet, have a pet spider or something.
0: They're over there looking Having for a this. They're moving hell in half of Georgia to oh, trying me. to look for this. Because
1: snakes can get into impossibly small places. Mm-hmm.
0: And they got a hooded king cobra over there that's loose in Irving and they can't find him.
1: You know, if I lived in Irving, I would be going on a month-long vacation to somewhere else. <laughs> I'd know, be like, you just call me once if, you find that snake. If,
0: <laughs> if we lived over there, you know what I'd do? I'd buy a model of a hooded king oh, coat. And I'd use it on Tulane, on you, on Sheila, it doesn't matter.
2: Make it motorized or right? something.
0: <laughs> anyway, that's Give just. Give me a, a
2: heart attack. That's just a, <laughs> that would be it for me. That's
0: just a little boy coming out, right? <laughs> the key to being male is to learn how to. Grow old without without growing up, right?
1: You do that on me. I can't guarantee that I won't break furniture because I'll be throwing everything. That's <laughs>
2: Yeah,
0: well, well, they're looking for him. They're looking for this banded cobra, a hooded king cobra, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Oh man, uh, it's on the news every night. They still can't find
1: it. I bet you his neighbors are just <laughs> loving him right now. Oh yeah, don't you know it. <laughs> They're gonna get well, a anyway, We're way over time.
0: time. <laughs> Hope everybody liked this show and just be looking for this home front campaign that we're working on. It's going to be really good.
2: It'll be a little bit so. We're still Don't be looking for it tomorrow.
0: Now we don't have the budget and we don't have the people Mm -hmm. to make it come out. If we had the budget and people like we used to have, we'd have already had this thing out rocking and rolling, but it's coming and it's gonna be good. And basically, as y'all know, I'm basically rewriting everything I've ever written. Mm -hmm. And I'm coming across stuff that I had completely forgot I had written. But we're transposing it into this new format, and it's going to be dynamite.
2: And it's not going to be like any other programs or stuff that's already out there. It's going to give people more control to what they can do. More actionable stuff. Well, it's going
0: to give them things that they can do that the pro boards can't stop. And that's the main thing. That's the main Mm -hmm. thing they have to know. And I really
1: encourage people to keep aware of this issue and you know if you want to go check out the answers reports i will put the link to that as well so you can kind of see but and go read the article that i wrote but this is going to be one of the avenues that the abortion industry really invests in and i encourage people to get awareness on it and try to find ways that you can put a stop to it
2: yep don't listen to it first of all because mm-hmm. it's nonsense
1: or use them as teaching experiences for youth because like we saw at the turning point deals These young teenage boys who hear this message will only believe it if we don't address it.
0: Right. When it comes to this issue of stigma and normalizing abortion, the other side only has the power that we give them. Yeah. They don't have any power that's inherent in their position. Their only power they have is power that we give them, and we're not going to give it to them. Anyway. Yep.
1: And if you like the show, I encourage you to go ahead and share this episode and all the others with your friends. There's a lot of great information here. And to also make sure you go follow the podcast. We're on a whole bunch of different platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Tune in; the list goes on. And
2: on our website, lifedynamics.com forward slash podcast. Mm-hmm. And if you like it when I am on, be sure to comment. <laughs> <laughs> that way I can weasel myself in more often and put her name on the marquee. <laughs> right. And speaking of that, you can also leave a rating or review
1: of our podcast. We put the link to do that in every episode. And you'll just click that, and it will take you to a page. that It'll show you where you can leave a review, and you can go and do that.
0: And on the other hand, if you don't ever want to hear from Sheila again, let us know that, too. Let us know that, too. Be like, why
1: in the world did you bring her on again? Right. We've already had to endure this several times. Right. Please, for the love of everything, stop.
0: Yeah, right. (laughs) Anyway, we appreciate your being with us. And until next Thursday, remember, Life Dynamics is not here to put up a good fight.
2: Mm -mm, We're here to win. Why, Sheila? Because winning is how the killing stops.
0: That's exactly right. (laughs) We will see you next week, guys.
2: Bye, guys.